And welcome back to the Film School for Marketers podcast. This is episode number five. I am one of your hosts, Zach Basner from Impact, and I'm joined by the lovely Mariah Anderson. Hello, hello. We are super pumped about episode five. Look, I got to be honest, last week I was super fired up and I was as I was watching back the episode, I was like, man, Zach, you got you to tone it down a little bit. You get a little too passionate about this stuff, but I'm not apologizing. I'm not yeah, apologizing. Don't apologize. Bring that passion. There's no reason to I'm apologize for that. You can count on me to bring that passion. <laughs> this is video is just my life, which is kind of sad when you think about it, but not apologize. I'm not apologizing for that either. Yeah, no. So, uh, before we get into our topic today, which is, as I prefaced last week, this whole debacle about YouTube embedding, uh, Mariah, you and I were on a call earlier this week with uh, one of the awesome people at Vidyard. His name's Chris, and he was helping us out. We were really trying to figure out, like, internally at Impact, are we really using the extent of the data that we have access to? Because there's so much in Vidyard. We we wanted to get with one of the people over there and just say, hey, like, answer some of these questions because we don't really understand all the data. Mm-hmm. And something really insightful that he gave us, and Mariah, I know it was particularly interesting. Uh, well, it was interesting to all of us, but uh, I mean, what was the main thing that we took away? So many goodies. Uh, but one of the main things that we took away is that, you know, we have some pretty awesome 80% videos on our website. And at the end of them, we'll have a CTA or we'll, you know, expect that they'll watch the whole thing, right? Um, and at that point, if someone's interested, that's their chance to get in touch with us or, you know, find a place on our website where they can get in touch with us. But he was talking about making it really easy for the user and remembering that just because they don't watch the entire video doesn't mean they weren't interested. You know, there's a lot of great juicy information in them. They can get what they need in the very beginning and then hop off. And then you lose that opportunity of getting in touch with them or getting them to take that next step with a CTA. So we were talking about ways in which we could have um, a CTA or a little pop-up on the video earlier on or in the middle and kind of testing that out to allow somebody to chat with us on the chat on our website or fill out a form and just talking through some of the different ways um, that we can integrate CTAs a little bit earlier on and test things out. It was really good insight. And just for some context on those product service page videos or 80% videos that we were talking about, we have these clickable annotations that come up at the very end of the video Mm -hmm. and they are like chat with you, Mariah, and or rewatch the video or visit the website. And Chris just kind of like nonchalantly is like, well, yeah, but what if they don't get to the end of the video? And we were like, hmm. <laughs> and it brings up a larger point, which is, you know, as part of the video six, which is the framework that we teach, the call to action is step number five. It doesn't mean that it's the, the, the second last thing that happens, right. but it's step number five. So it's easiest for, for us to think, well, we've got to wait till the end till we do something. Mm-hmm. But actually, data shows something entirely differently. In fact, Wistia did their, their study on uh, when calls to action had the highest click-through rate. And they found that 30 seconds into a video and then right before the end were the two times. But this, this is just like one thing that we, we've got to keep in mind. And, and Chris, thanks for keeping it top of mind for us is that some people might watch a video and not get to the end to see the call to action. So we've got to think about ways to be more strategic with how we, how we do that. Yeah. Absolutely. So thanks, Chris. Shout out Vidyard. (laughs) 
<laughs> so speaking of embedding videos on websites, last week we had a very passionate discussion at Impact. It all originated off of a podcast episode that our one of, one of our awesome uh, kind of resources that we look to, uh, Neil Patel. They were talking specifically about how YouTube embedding on a website might hurt traffic. And it immediately spawned a lot of people's minds, well, that means that we can't use YouTube embeds on our website anymore, which I think was a little dramatic. I was going to say, that's, that's a little dramatic. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a knee-jerk reaction on that. But the main thing that they talked about in the podcast is that recently YouTube took away the ability to turn off suggested videos at the end of YouTube embeds. So in other words, you have a YouTube video, you take that and you embed it in your blog article on your website page. When that gets to the end, it will show suggested videos on YouTube that if you click, it will take you over to YouTube. Now, that can be problematic depending on what the content is. And it's funny because this used to be a common objection a lot of people would bring up to me. And I'd say, you do realize you can turn those off, right? Because you used to be able to turn them off completely. Um, but now you can, you can still add in this like little bit of code and it will, it will only show suggested videos from your channel. Mm. So to be clear, you can't turn suggested videos off anymore, but you can make it only suggest videos from your channel. And we'll include a link to the, that podcast episode too, if you want to go listen to that. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about today what this means for us and what the best practices would be because the answer is not to just stop embedding YouTube videos altogether. So with that being said, I mean, what kind of, not stopping altogether, but are there certain types of videos that you would say you would recommend continuing to have on YouTube in particular? Yeah. And, and all the way you asked this too, is there a certain type of video? Because that's really what, that's really what will make the distinction as to what you embed on the site. So when we look at the customer life cycle and we have our different buyer's journey stages, awareness, consideration, decision, delight, oftentimes the videos that perform best on YouTube and the reason people are on YouTube in general is because they they haven't, they're not ready to engage with the company yet. They just want, they, they're aware that they have a problem or they're considering how to solve it. So awareness and consideration. Mm -hmm. And this means that oftentimes people aren't going to be on a website. They're going to be on YouTube. And the reason I bring this up and what it has to do with embedding is that that means that for us as marketers, the most valuable thing is to have a have awareness and consideration stage content that's that's do, performing really well on YouTube. So, what does that have to do with embedding, Zach? I'm getting there. <laughs> this means that the more traffic we can drive to those to those YouTube videos, the better they're going to perform. Perform. The foremost metric that YouTube uses to rank a video is overall watch time. So, the amount of minutes or hours that that piece of content has been consumed. So by embedding that content on our website and using the traffic that's coming to the website to read our blog articles or, or read our website pages or anything like that, 
if we can use that traffic to also drive views on those videos, which by the way, the view is still happening on the website. They're just playing it and it's, and it's, it's there on the website. Right. That is going to help us to get that watch time up. So it's for this reason that we don't want to forego YouTube embeds altogether. We just want to take the right types of content and embed them on the website. So what types of content would it be better to maybe use other video platforms? Once again, another great question. Hit me with some good ones, Mariah. <laughs> That's all I have today. No. <laughs> all you have is great questions? Yeah, all I, have is, all I have is great questions. So yes. So we've, we've only talked about awareness and consideration. So you also have kind of half of the, like getting closer to the decision. So half of consideration and decision stage, you would really want to have embedded with an external video host that you're going to be able to track the view. So something like Wistia or Vidyard, there's other ones as well. Those, those are really the foremost ones. You want to have that type of Intel for your sales team. You want to have that type of um, information to be able to retarget or segment your leads or, or lead score. Uh, and the only way you can do that is if you're tracking it using one of these external video hosts. In other words, tracking the view. It would be great for your sales team to be able to see, okay, John Smith watched our video about pricing here at our company. Uh, you wouldn't have that information if they watched that in a YouTube embed. Right. And another really cool thing to do with those stats that you would have from having it on an actual video platform, such as Vidyard or Wistia is not even giving that information to the salesperson, but setting up automation so that if somebody is taking certain actions, watching certain videos that you can automate an email to go out or a task to be triggered, there's a lot you can do just from having those contacts actions trigger certain things to happen behind the scenes too. That's some advanced stuff. And it can be quite creepy if you don't do it right. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason I say it could be, get creepy is let's say somebody came to your website, they filled out a form and now you have their email address. And then you're like, well, sweet. Now, whatever this person does, we could basically trigger an email to send to them. So if they watch uh, Erica's bio video, we could trigger an automated response from Erica that says, hey, I noticed you watched my bio video. Let's talk. That would be the creepiest thing in the world. And please don't do that. Yeah, do not do that. Do not do that. But it is possible, which, hey, it's 2019. Anything's yeah. possible now. Yeah. It would be more, the, the way that you want, the route that you want to go is if someone is looking at a specific service page or reading articles about this one service to then trigger maybe some additional educational resources um, or offer some of your time up. So question for you, Zach. So we talked about what videos should be on YouTube and what videos um, should be on, you know, platform. Um, is there any harm in having some of those later stage videos just also on YouTube as well. So that you start to build up that content. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, if you want to have your decision stage stuff on YouTube, like anything about pricing or what it's like to work with you or your customer testimonials or anything like that, if you're crushing it with YouTube and you, you feel like, like you're confident that you're going to get them down the funnel to, to see that video, it's great. What I'd say is, the, the utility of YouTube is that you're picking up search traffic and how many people are going to be searching for your customer testimonials on YouTube. Right. Not, not many. So it's not necessarily like you shouldn't do it. It's just, I don't 
see any inherent benefit in doing it. Right. Yeah. And it's all about that strategy of what makes sense where. So thank you. To bring all of this home, kind of piggybacking on what I said last week and what I just think in general, which is that we have all these tools, we have YouTube, we have video hosts, we have all these tactics of like, well, let's put this video here and so we can track this and do that. All this stuff is, is great and it, it will help you to convert your traffic into leads and sales. And for that reason, I love all of this stuff. But really at the end of the day, we can't get hung up on the tools. Our job is to meet our customers where they're at and, it, and obsess over their questions. And when we do that, that's our way of becoming one of the most trusted voices in our industry. And as long as you have a way that people can reach out to you and talk to you, then you could technically get away with not tracking any of this data. Like if you're truly just addressing the most, the most asked questions, the ones that nobody else will address, and you're winning the trust of the people who are shopping for your product and service, they'll want to work with you. They'll, they'll, They'll hit your contact us page. I know that sounds like it never happens, but that actually does happen. As a perfect example, the sales line, which was our uh, consulting company that we worked at before we merged with Impact, we didn't really do a lot of lead generation. We didn't really do a lot of optimization in terms of the the, um, life cycle. We just addressed what people wanted to know. And people hit the contact us page. In fact, we had a very, very heavily trafficked contact us page. This is the foremost way that people got in touch with us. And so it's a perfect case study of, look, just obsess over what people are asking and the leads will come. I'm glad you're saying that because I feel it's quite often like a hole that us marketers fall into of there's so many shiny tools and so many different things we can be doing. And at the end of the day, like even some things I do, I look back and I'm like, did I just overly complicate what needed to be done? Like think about it from a human perspective, which I think we forget as marketers sometimes because we're so data-driven, you know? Um, and we're data-driven on behaviors and those things, but there's other things that come into play and we forget about the main core reason why we're doing this and that's to help people. Um, and how can we use our, our marketing and our resources to do just that? Well, it's about time to bring this episode home. Mariah, something really interesting happened. We got our first dislike ever on Film School for Marketers on the YouTube channel. Wow. That's okay, yeah, though. That's so, okay. And to, to no surprise, it was about the most controversial thing that we have been talking about lately, which is to script or not to script. So essentially, our episode last week got our first dislike ever. And you know what? I'm okay with it because you know what? We were willing to talk about something that no one else talks about and everyone just accepts this thing that, yeah, scripts are great and we should be doing them and they make me more comfortable. So that's what I'm going to do. We were the ones that were willing to say, look, no, there's a better way. And to whoever disliked that video, thank you. Thank you for representing the other side of the aisle because we accept everybody. Well, I was about to say, you know, our, one of our main goals with this is to strike up a conversation. It's not to be yeah. one-sided and for us just to be like dropping all this, you know, information and knowledge. It's for us to start the conversation. And 
Hey, we want to hear from you. If you disagree about a certain thing, like let's talk through it because I'm open to hearing the reasons why maybe what we said might not be the right thing. And I mean, that strikes up a healthy debate and conversation. That's why we're doing what we do. That's what we do. And we're hoping that we can have more important conversations, the ones that make us uncomfortable because that's the way that we're going to create really magical video content. I know it sounds dramatic, but it's true. This That's how stuff, we grow. This, this communication, this video stuff, as we're insourcing and growing and learning, there's going to be some tough conversations and we want to help facilitate those conversations. Mm-hmm. So if you've liked what you've been hearing, or even if you haven't, and you want to be a part of the discussion, we would love to have you subscribe to YouTube iTunes, hit us up, comment, follow us on Twitter. We would love for you to join the conversation and share this with people that you also know are really passionate about this subject as well. That's right. And go out there, embed your YouTube videos in a smart way. (laughs) And until we see you next time, keep learning.